The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Just as you're watching the race this weekend, just know that two hours before that race, uh, Nick Terry led those guys in prayer and led them in chapel. And those guys went into those race cars with an opportunity to worship even before they even before they started their work day. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we're going to hear from a pastor who spent several years on the NASCAR circuit, ministering to drivers and crew alike on pit row. We'll meet Dale Beaver here on First Person. Thanks for joining us for this week's interview. We try to bring you a new guest every week who has a story to tell about their confession of faith in Jesus Christ and the call they have to make Christ known. And we've archived all of these interviews online at firstpersoninterview.com. You can listen to any program in this extensive archive when you click on the red listen button at firstpersoninterview.com. We also have an app you can use freely called First Person Interview in your app store. Well, this weekend, a big event, the NASCAR Cup Series Championship. And whether you are a racing fan or not, it is interesting to learn what's going on behind the scenes with worship and prayer. Dale Beaver was that chaplain for many years, now serving as a pastor in Evansville, Indiana. When we spoke, I asked him if motor racing outreach was still active. Yes, sir. Yeah, we uh, uh, are a ministry uh, of chaplains that travel the circuit with different levels of motorsports. And I had the privilege to begin with what was the Winston Cup Series back in 1999. It changed hands, became the Nextel Cup Series. And when I left, it was the Sprint Cup Series. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's the same, uh, you know, uh, same uh, top tier level racing with NASCAR. It just for the first time, we saw a sponsor change uh, for that series. And it was kind of shocking, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, I was able to, to travel with them 38 weekends a year as their wow. pastor on the road. Wow. Well, you've put down roots now and you are a teaching pastor in Evansville, Indiana. We can talk about that in a few moments, but I want to start with this uh, racing world that you were a part of how long you, you, you and your whole family traveled, right? You, you were in a motor home and made the circuit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll include a link, uh, that, that will, uh, kind of help some folks, you know, fill in the details there of that, uh, from a, from a news story back in 2001. Okay. But yeah, absolutely. We were in a motor home, traveled the, uh, um, the circuit, uh, by and large, everything east of the Mississippi, we drove the motor home to homeschooled the two boys. And my wife worked with the driver's kids and the owner's kids who were able to, uh, travel with them on the weekends. So we had a little, uh, community center, 18 wheeler that broke out into a, a children's play area and a uh, meeting area. And my wife and uh, a team of people were able to work with the, the kids and, uh, the, the families, the wives that w- would come by there. And, uh, from Thursday through Sunday, uh, it just becomes a mobile community. These huh. people bring their motor homes. They have drivers and attendants for their motor homes. They dr- bring them in, put them in this gated community, and we become a mobile neighborhood every weekend. <laughs> All right. I want you to take me back to that conversation with your wife when you sat down with her and said, honey, we're going to take oh. the kids and we're going to go on the road. We're going we're gonna, oh. we're gonna to follow these race car drivers. <laughs> Absolutely. When when I it all begins really with my calling. I mean, when when I but I was probably nine ten years old. I I knew I wanted to be a pastor. And as I grew through high school and college, uh, I, I knew I wanted to do something unconventional. I uh, didn't know what that meant exactly. Possibly the mission field. And my wife was actually when I met her in seminary down Dallas Seminary. 
she was uh, coming back from the mission field on a little uh, furlough for for some academic preparation to go back on the mission field. So I thought, well, maybe this is it. You know, I met the woman and 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 God's given me the the place where I'm supposed to go at the same time. But it just never worked out that way. I've always been. Um, um, you know, kind of tied to my homeland back here in Kentucky and, uh, Southern Indiana. And, and, uh, so when we got married, my wife pretty much thought that I was bringing her back to Kentucky, which I did. And we pastored a little church down in Dixon, which was a coal mine in town. We were there for three years and a connection that I'd made when I was in seminary with a guy at interstate batteries, um, told me that he would like me to think about traveling with, uh, with the NASCAR guys. He knew that I had a background in, in, uh, and, and, and restoring cars with my dad. And, and so I uh, looked at my wife and, and said, would you mind to go to Bristol, Tennessee for the Bristol night race? They want to bring us down there and talk to us about um, filling in uh, that weekend for uh, the founding chaplain who was would probably within three years be retiring and, and he was looking for his replacement. And so I showed up at Bristol. My wife came with me. We just had our second son and uh, she was um, uh, exhausted by the week's end. And, and I was for sure, she would tell me that, um, this is just not going to work. No way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no way. But, uh, but as things happened, we prayed about it for a year. They, they were still interested in us. And by the end of, uh, 1998, they made us an offer to come on board. Hmm. How many years did you uh, travel then with MRO? Uh, from 1999 through 2005, All right. and uh, yeah, we had a third son there. My wife and I said we would do it for five years, travel with him for five years. We made that commitment to ourselves as well as to the to the ministry, and then we said after five years, we would evaluate it year to year, and so we ended up sticking around for seven. Yeah, okay, but I guess you can take the boy out of pit row, but you can't take pit row out of the boy, can you? Because uh, no, you've never lost interest, have you? No, I, you know, I still love cars. I'm still a, a, an enthusiast. Uh, I'm one of these guys that still goes, I don't know. I don't know what's what sport you follow Wayne, but for me, I I'll show up at a baseball field and still think I can get out there and, and, yeah. and pitch nine innings. I can <laughs> uh, go to a racetrack, which is funny because I think my dad and I've talked about this racing is, I think the one sport to where, even though I've been around it long enough, these guys are athletes. Uh, they're discounted a lot of times that they just sit in a car and drive, but trust me, they're athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of, I guess most men think, well, I, you know, I get in a car every day, I could get out there and do this, you know? So I think one of the appeals of racing is, is that you don't have to have baseball or, or any kind of ball sport, uh, the ball sport athleticism, but you, if you can drive a car, there's something inside a guy that thinks he can take it on, you know? Well, spiritually, uh, you were there as a chaplain, and it wasn't there just to enjoy the racing and, you know, smell all the smells that you get in pit row in the garage area, but um, you were there to minister spiritually to these uh, men and women, right? There's some women involved here as well. So what what needs did they have? It, it um, you know, I had the, the all, I call it the awful privilege, Wayne, to be there. I would, I don't think this is an exaggeration with the most traumatic time in nascar mm. um from from the first year i got there adam petty the grandson of the great richard petty uh he passed away in loud new hampshire at a mm-hmm. testing um weekend uh that just that that i mean he was he was a rising star and beloved in that community and of course the grandson of of the king of of nascar racing richard and so that really 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 um affected everyone and it made him spiritually you know, aware, uh, mm-hmm. some of them for the first time, hmm. uh, I'm not kidding you, Wayne. I had conversations with drivers who, um, wanted to start reading the Bible 
and I told them to come to a study I was doing on the book of Philippians and they thought they had to go out and actually buy the, some at Barnes and Noble and find a book <laughs> titled Philippians. It was, I no, mean, no um, background in Christianity, huh? no background whatsoever. Some of these guys, uh, I remember getting asked, uh, you know, that, that right after Adam died, what, uh, one of the questions uh, a young man asked me was, what does Easter have to do with the Christian faith? Mm. Uh, I had no idea what the connection even to Easter was to, 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 uh, to the faith. So, um, you know, after Adam died, it really set the stage for uh, some growth there with guys who, uh, particularly the young ones that were coming in, but the older ones who didn't normally talk about this kind of thing. Um, and so they were they were they were recognizing their own mortality, and 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 it, it didn't let up. I mean, we lost a guy in the truck series to a uh, to a wreck. Uh, I guess one of the most terrifying things to these guys was uh, the following year, uh, Kenny Irwin, who was from here in Indiana, uh, same spot same kind of accident, same kind of injury in the same track that Adam Petty died. And uh, actually his car ended up in the same spot and in the same way that Adam Petty's car ended up after Mm. the crash Mm. and Kenny Irwin died of the same injury. And I mean, that, that rocked the community. I mean, even more deeply. And we didn't, we, we hardly got over that to win, um, to win the great Dale Earnhardt passed away. And so I was there through all of that. And so, uh, I don't know that, I don't know that the the men and women in that sport have been more open to, uh, the gospel, uh, you know, questioning their own mortality. What is this? What, what am I doing? What's all this for? Um, so absolutely. I was able to, to really forge some relationships through that seven year period that, um, uh, I don't know that I'll ever have again, that kind of, that kind of experience in ministry. You actually conducted services for Earnhardt, didn't you? Yeah, his wife as well as Dale Jr. asked. I was with Dale Jr. in the hospital uh, when um, when when we left the racetrack. He was I was in a in a police car and he was in the ambulance and and we drove straight up to the hospital and I was with him there when when the, when Teresa D- Dale's stepmom came in and told us that 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 Dale didn't make it. So, yeah, I was able to be there with the family and the community for the weeks that followed. I had about a six week window to where. It was really, really intense. You, got, you know, prayed with several guys to receive Christ. And I mean, it was really, really about it. Like I said, about a six week window, but, uh, it's, it's a strange dynamic, Wayne. I mean, it's, it's, it's like any other sport. I mean, you leave one town, you go to the next and you, you've got to put on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no time to grieve. Yeah. How do you minister to someone who lives such a dangerous lifestyle? Uh, I tell everybody it's really no different than being a pastor here in Southern Indiana. It's just the intensities. It's just, it's just a different level of intensity. And, and these guys can afford bigger band-aids. If a guy here is, is feeling insignificant, or if a guy here is dealing with grief or whatever, he tries to cope with that. So, you know, however he does it, you know, with alcohol, with, with drugs or going out and buy, you know, buying a new car or whatever. I mean, it's, these guys can, you know, they don't mess with drugs, don't mess with drugs and alcohol because they, they know that would get them out of the sport. But, 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 you know, they can go buy a helicopter when you and I would go buy a hot rod or mm-hmm. something. I mean, it just, or it's just a bigger band aid for, you know, for the same level of bleeding. And, uh, and you just have to recognize that and take them back to the common denominator, which is Christ. A first-hand look inside the Ministry of Motor Racing Outreach with Dale Beaver. We'll continue in a moment. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day 
of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Dale Beaver. Dale is teaching pastor at Christian Fellowship Church in Evansville, Indiana. For a number of years, he traveled with NASCAR drivers as a chaplain with Motor Racing Outreach. Uh, you, we're on Zoom talking online right now, so I can see you in your office, your home, wherever you are right now. But there's a uh, there's a car hood behind you hanging on the wall, not your everyday uh, piece of artwork on the wall. Tell me about what that is. Well, that's a treasure to me. It's a, it's a hood off of one of... Uh Roger Penske's team's uh, cars. I don't know if it came off of Rusty Wallace's or Ryan Newman's at the time. I guess it was Ryan Newman. I did Ryan's wedding and Ryan and I still stay in contact. Um, So I'm guessing it came off of one of Ryan's cars. They gave that to me uh, in Homestead, the very last race of our season uh, in 2005. And as many folks in the community that could uh, sign that hood for me. Uh, there's two interesting things about that. There's there's some precious signatures on that hood to me that that, that they've since passed on, and then they're long no longer with mm, us. Mm. Um, there's probably when I was there, there was 1,300 people that traveled with us on the weekend. Mm. Uh, everything from the people who cook the meals for these teams to uh, drive the transporters to uh, the crewmen who take you know wrench on the car and get it ready for racing to um, a lot of retired, I love the retired couples that t- there's a lot of retired couples that, that would join a team just to time and score. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time when, before electronics was done, you had to have uh, NASCAR had a human being for every team setting in the, uh, timing and scoring stand. And they actually would make sure that every car completed a lap and they would manually clock the time of every lap. And that, a lot of media people, there were, um, uh, p- public relations folks from different corporations and sponsors who were there. So I'd say, yeah, 1,300 folks would travel there on the weekend. So some of their signatures are on that hood as well. Um, w- I guess what I'm most excited about now is, is that um, the kids in our youth group, kids like John Hunter Nemechek, um, Dave Blaney's son, Ryan, Bill Elliott's son, Chase. <laughs> I mean, their chicken scratch, you know, of third grade or whatever, <laughs> when they could hardly write their name, uh, is on there. And now these boys are now men and Chase Elliott even won championship last year. So these, uh, these young men that were in my wife's Bible club, uh, several of them are out there on the racetrack now taking over, you know, wonderful. the dads that passed the torch to them. That's wonderful. Uh, it's great. It is a great, it is a great reminder yeah, to me. It really is. You mentioned your wife's Bible. I mean, and by the way, you had a built-in congregation of those 1300 people, didn't you? You had your own little ministry uh, yes. world right there. Uh, exactly. Yeah. They were my, they exactly right. They were my community every weekend. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned your wife's Bible class as you were a chaplain and she was traveling with you and your sons. I mean, she wasn't idle. I mean, she was busy in ministry too. Yes. She, uh, uh, like I said, we move in on Thursday night. We usually see, uh, the uh, the motorhome guys we'd we'd visit with them and their fam you know their wife sometimes their wives would go come with them a lot of times these were single guys but we kind of had a schedule you know the first night we'd be there and we'd 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 hang out with uh, with the motor coach drivers a little bit and then we'd set up on uh, Thursday when they would qualify and uh, that's when the families would start arriving and so we'd try to have the community center open there to where the kids could come over and start playing while you know dad and 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 mom got situated for for the weekend my wife would do um, a Bible club on Sunday during the race for the kids. Um, and, um, 
uh, we'd oftentimes meet with uh, couples or we'd have a Bible study like on a Friday night after qualifying. Mm -hmm. So you're doing this as a family. Yeah, it was. Uh, Earlier, you used the word calling, and this is something that fascinates me to talk about with guests is calling. Um, You used the word, talk to me about your call. I mean, now you're a pastor, of course, there in Evansville, but uh, for years you were called to that circuit. Yeah, trying to figure out what that meant too. When I was when I was young, I uh, um, was led to, led to Christ at the age of nine by my grandfather, who uh, was a bivocational pastor. I come from a long line of coal miners out of West Virginia and Kentucky, um, and, and and you know my granddad shared with me just his experience. Um, I, so I wondered if my spirit, my he didn't have an audible call and an audible voice from God speak to him. So I wondered, well, maybe if I would, because I'd read in the scriptures where sometimes that happened and. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't me, but it seemed like everywhere I turned to the scripture, um, there was an emphasis on the ministry of the gospel. And so I love the church world. I love being, um, uh, in leadership in the church, even when I was a young man. And so trying to figure out, okay, this is obviously what I'm passionate about doing, even at a young age, what specifically does this mean for me? And as a young man growing up in Kentucky, that meant, well, you had to, you know, become a you know, a preacher, a pastor, and you, and, and where I'm from, that most likely meant bivocational. So mm-hmm, yeah. I'd have a, I'd have a, you know, I'd have a day job, so to speak. And then I'd, I'd, I'd preach on the weekends. Yeah. I know, I know many men who do that and God bless them. It's, it's a hard, absolutely hard life, but oh. boy, they they make sacrifices, but they're doing such a great thing. Yes. And that was my grandfather. So I kind of thought that would be me as well. And once I got to um, high school, uh, my dad and my grandfather kind of set me down and they, if you're going to be a pastor, you need to, you need to go prepare for this. We did, I didn't have an opportunity to do this. My grandfather said, and I want to send you and make sure that you do that. But I want you to go to college and get just a general degree. Just go to college, get a general degree. I want you to work in the business world two years after college. And if this is something you still got to do, uh, my family said, you know, they would, they would put me through seminary. Hmm. So that's exactly what I did. I got a management and economics degree from Western Kentucky university down in Bowling Green. Worked with the Navigators, a campus ministry while I was in college. Worked with those guys, and which again reinforced just my understanding of what discipleship and ministry was all about. Um, and then got out of college, worked with my family business for a couple of years, and and knew that no, I, I need and I, I, this is something I want to do full time for the rest of my life. So, uh, got it. I guess it, my calling was de- was was developed and drawn out over the course of just just tons of affirmation from circumstances as well as individuals who were looking at me going, man, I think, you know, Dale, you, you got to do this. Uh, my best friend and mentor, uh, who's a pastor down in Texas. Uh, he, he put, he put his hand on me one day when he heard I was going to NASCAR and he said, he said, he said, B, he said, you were born to do this. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, I agreed. I, I, I thought to myself, yeah. all this, all these years of wanting an unconventional ministry and just, being confused as to what that meant and not being in the mission field. I thought I'd really may have missed that. Um, once I went to NASCAR, especially I had that seven year period of, of, of feeling like, you know, I'm doing what I was called to do. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, as I said, 38 weekends, relentless <laughs> traveling around with your family in a motor home, mm-hmm. you know, a seven year period of time is, yep. is about all you can do that for the good of your family. And, uh, I went through probably, I came to Evansville right after that. And I probably, I, the folks here would tell you, I went through one good year, if not two good years of just 
just just resetting i mean just like okay what do you do now what now Mm -hmm. it's like uh, i thought after your ministry was over you died you know (laughs) uh now what's next and so uh, i wouldn't say i've settled into something less than what god's called me to do just it's just different now he's provided a new well a new thing for you which is wonderful but as you look back you got to just marvel and you touched on this that how God took your training and your instincts and your interests and merged them all together into ministry for you. I am so thankful for that. Yeah, because I'd heard so many guys say, you know, the ministry is all about uh, running and fighting what you don't want to do. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's like everybody, everybody, well, you know, I was, I'm a pastor now, but I ran from it or I'm a pastor and I fought it really, really hard. <laughs> um, and, and, and that wasn't, my experience at, at all, but, but you're exactly right. It's, it was incredibly surprising to me that God took these earthly passions that I had and, uh, enabled me to walk into that community and very quickly, um, develop relationships and a level of trust with them. I, I, I am, I am thankful for that. I've always had the mentality. I've watched guys, Wayne stay too long mm-hmm. in different things. And, uh, I didn't want to do that in NASCAR. I really wanted to go out on top of my game the greatest blessing I've had from leaving the NASCAR ministry was that um, the Jack man, one of, one of the, one of the Jack men, a young man by the name of Nick, Nick Terry was a Jack man for Richard Childress racing. He didn't Richard Childress own Dale Earnhardt's car, Richard Childress. Uh, uh, Nick didn't Jack Earnhardt's car. He jacked the teammates car, but he was on that crew. And um, in Atlanta, Georgia came up to me one day and said, Dale, he said, he said, you know, you, you, you asked us to get serious about following Christ. And I just want you to know I've done that today. And he said, I really want you to pray for me because I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. The year after I left NASCAR, Nick finished a Bible training program um, at, at, a, at a seminary there in Charlotte. And God had got God replaced me with with Nick Terry. My Wonderful. biggest desire was to see him raise somebody up within that community that had actually been on a team and take over the ministry as chaplain of that sport. And Nick has Nick is still doing a wonderful job at that. Love that story. Thank you, Dale. Thank you. All right. As we watch the big race this weekend um, with spiritual eyes, how should we be watching this? I've tried to I try I tried to ruin the sport for a lot of those race fans because I tried to make everything that went on on a, on a race weekend analogous to uh to to the spiritual life or some biblical principle so uh, yeah just as you're watching the race this weekend just know that two hours before that race uh nick terry a former crewman led those guys in prayer and led them in chapel and uh, those guys went into those race cars with an opportunity to worship uh even before they even before they started their work day well once again whether you are a fan of nascar or not you have to appreciate the ministry taking place in pit row of that championship race this weekend in phoenix you've been listening to dale beaver talk about his years as a chaplain with motor racing outreach Dale is now a pastor, and you can find out more about him at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. The race to get the gospel message proclaimed to all the unreached people groups of the world continues, and the Far East Broadcasting Company is right there in the forefront. If you'd like to start praying for the nations of the world, sign your church up for Unreached in Focus and help mobilize your church to pray for the unreached. Go to febc.org and click on the pray button. That's febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.